You are listening to Electric Bike Radio. Welcome to Episode 8 of Electric Bike Radio, E-Bikes Classified. Don't worry, it's not a secret, we're just classifying e-bikes. I'm Dwayne, and this is my co-host, Jared. Hey, Jared. Hey, Dwayne. We're always talking about e-bikes on this show, because that's the show. But there are many, many subcategories of e-bikes, just like any other kind of bike. Saying you have an e-bike doesn't really tell somebody much about the shape of the bike, the type of use you have for the bike, what you're planning on doing, or the specifics of your bike. Yeah, for sure. And the people who listen to the podcast may be shopping for an e-bike, or maybe they already have uh, a bike and they're shopping for another bike, or maybe they're just looking to understand this area better and be able to give advice to their friends. Because when you have an e-bike, people are always asking you for advice, right? What kind of e-bike should I buy? So it's worth us going through and spending a little bit of time talking about all the various types of e-bikes that you can buy. So we're going to talk about a number of categories of e-bikes, and a lot of them you'll recognize because a lot of them are also categories of regular bikes. We're going to try to focus on the e-bikes and the types of e-bikes you'll find and probably the ones that most people are looking for. So let's break it down category by category. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about each type and what they might be best suited for, especially as an e-bike. Maybe the first one, and this is in no particular order, Jared, but... The first one is a cruiser bike, or what sometimes in a, in a non-e-bike format people would call a beach cruiser, but a cruiser, a bike that is designed to be comfortable, something that has a real relaxed position, you sit more upright, usually you have a very large soft sprung seat on it, and usually not a what we would call a fat tire, but a thicker tire, a fatter tire. You know, something... well-rounded tire. <laughs> right. Sometimes they call it a balloon tire. Something is designed for maybe a little bit of sand, a little bit of gravel, maybe not just straight-up pavement. And these are bikes that are built for comfort, really. And especially in a human-powered bike, they're really not designed for speed or for distance. But the cool thing about this is it's kind of, that's kind of less important on an e-bike because you can get speed and distance out of a cruiser comfort-style bike when it's an e-bike. So that's this is almost one of the bike types that's really well-suited to electric use because it's comfortable, but the main drawbacks, which are that you can't necessarily ride it real far or real fast, are overcome by the fact that it's an e-bike. I totally agree, Dwayne. There's a few reasons why. A cruiser bike is not the kind of bike I would want to own if it wasn't electrified. Usually one speed or three speeds for a regular old bike, and it's not something you'd ever want to be stuck going up a hill on. It's just not fun for that. An e-bike, that's not an issue. You've got the, the electric motor to help you out. Same thing with speed. You can go fast on a cruiser e-bike. You're not going to go that fast on a regular e- regular cruiser bike. So this might be one of the most popular types of e-bikes, and I think that's because all the downsides of a cruiser are taken away, and you've left with a really comfortable, fast, easy bike. Yeah, some examples of these types of bikes. Um, maybe one of the best examples is the Electra Townie Go, because that is sort of your classic uh, beach cruiser type bike that has been electrified <laughs> by the manufacturer. So that's a, that's a great example. Pedego makes the Comfort Cruiser, 
or the Interceptor, or I would even loosely place my bike, uh, the Boomerang, in that you know sort of cruiser-type bike category. Uh, Electric Bike Company makes a lot of bikes that I probably describe almost all their bikes as cruiser-type bikes. So, great all-around bike, a great starter e-bike, and an easy transition from the bikes that you might be used to. So, our next category of bike is mountain bikes and fat tire bikes. And no, those two subcategories of bikes aren't really the same, but we group them together here because they're both designed for off-road ability. Um, Mountain bikes are really designed for off-road trails. Obviously, most of you have seen a mountain bike or ridden a mountain bike in the past. The same applies to e-mountain bikes, designed for off-road trails, rough terrain, mountain trails. You're probably going to find suspension at least on the front wheel, if not on both the front and back wheels. You're going to have wide, knobby, aggressive tires. Uh, Usually a small seat like a road bike, flat handlebars, just like the mountain bike you might know. Yeah, I don't see a lot of true what I would call electric mountain bikes out uh, riding around. I mean, this is really a very specialized category, I think. If you're not really aggressively riding on mountains or off-road or, you know, serious off-road trails, um, it's probably overkill uh, for most people. Um, I tried to come up with some examples. Most of them are made by the big companies. Uh, Trek makes the E-Caliber. Specialized makes the... uh, Turbo Levo. Uh, Again, these are very specialized bikes, very heavy-duty bikes, very expensive. You know, probably something you don't need unless you really know you need it. And where Dwayne and I ride, we do a lot of our riding on trails, roads, maybe light dirt paths or sand paths. Nowhere in Florida, really, that you'd need a e-mountain bike. There are some trails if you go actual trail riding that you could use a mountain bike. But if you're just riding around the road, you're not typically going to see anybody on a mountain bike. And that's for a good reason. They're just not comfortable long distance on the road, or at least not as comfortable as some of the other bikes we're talking about. Now, fat tire bikes, on the other hand, are very common uh, e-bike type. Fat tire bikes, um, by definition, have very wide tires. Uh, something that, When I look at them, I almost think like motorcycle tire. It's a tire that's three, four, five inches wide, you know, truly designed for stability, for off-road, and for trail use, but just not to the same degree as a mountain bike. They're, you're not going to be jumping a fat tire bike probably off of uh, ramps and that sort of thing. Uh, they may or may not have a, a suspension, but they are designed to get you off of paved trails and onto, you know, dirt gravel and sort of you know commonly traveled bike paths i think i heard recently from from the bolton e-bikes youtube channel that fat tire bikes are are, uh, defined as 3.7 inches and up i don't know exactly where that threshold is but but big heavy fat tires so they're not going to be like a mountain bike where you're going to be doing lots of heavy jumps as Dwayne said they're just it's just too much weight in the wheels it's really just to give you traction where you need it yeah, and this is another example of a bike that is kind of made possible by electrifying the bicycle. Because a fat tire bike, uh, although I've seen fat tire bikes that are, you know, regular human-powered bikes, they're just not very efficient. They're heavy, they're difficult to pedal, there's a lot of rolling resistance on those tires. Um, you see, like, some of these sand bikes that have these really just 
just freakishly large tires. And it's a cool idea, but until you have to pedal it. But once you get an electrified version, that overcomes some of that and becomes a really easy to ride, you know, very popular for good reason, design a bike. The thing about fat tires is that they just generally have more stable traction. You're not going to hit a little patch of sand on a road and slip out because there's more of that tire in contact with the road that the sand's not going to bother. And as Dwayne said, fat tire bikes have been around since maybe the early 2000s, I think, maybe is when they first showed mm-hmm. up. But but they're really still just specialized for a reason. They, were, they came about for snow, for sand, you know, specialized riding because otherwise they're just not as efficient or really sometimes as comfortable as other bikes. Uh, but with electric fat tire bikes, you've gotten rid of all the negatives because the motor will pick up the slack for you. You can go wherever you want. There's almost so many examples of this type of bike out there that it's hard to call out uh, specifics. But just some of the popular ones that I see around here, uh, the Rad Runner is a is a popular fat tire bike. Um, Pedego has the Element, which is very similar in design to the Rad Runner. There's a whole lot of bikes out there that have that sort of same basic style. Uh, the Hemaway Cruiser. Uh, Aventon makes the uh, Adventure. Um, there's just any number of these fat tire bikes out there. They're real popular. You know, there's also almost one more sub subcategory of fat tire bikes, and I don't really know how to describe it. It has, it's the kind of bike that you'll see. It has like a, a really long non-adjustable seat. You can sit back as far as you want. Your feet aren't, your legs aren't really going to extend to the full extension like you would on a bike. It's really meant for motoring around. It's almost looks like a little, um, like a little pit bike used to mm-hmm. back in the day that some people might have. Um, th- these are very popular bikes uh, because I think because they're, they've almost got like a rat rod feel to them. But they're fat tires. They will get you where you want to go. But they're not as much focused on pedaling and the biking aspect. They're closer to the almost like a moped kind of feel to them. A um, couple of examples might be the Super 73. Uh, which I think is probably the most popular of them, or the Aerial Rider D-Class, and I think Aerial Rider actually has a several several in that same frame style. And there's a bunch of others. You, you'll know them when you see them. Uh, great bikes, a great choice if you want to motor around. Probably not as good of a choice if you're looking for uh, pedaling and exercise. You'll still get exercise as much as you want to pedal, but your pedaling effort is going to be that much harder on them. Yeah, no, those are very cool bikes, and, and I do see those. They're, that is a popular sort of subset of the fat tire bike. But So just to, to wrap up the fat tires, you know, great starter e-bike, very popular, uh, more flexibility than a cruiser because the fat tires uh, allow you to go more places, more off-road, more gravel, more dirt, that sort of thing. But they are a little less efficient to pedal, and maybe you get a little less range out of them because – higher rolling resistance, more weight, that sort of thing. But uh, also, it might feel a little less like traditional bikes. If you're making a change uh, from a traditional bike to an e-bike, riding a fat tire bike, it's not hard, but it is a little bit more of adjustment, but still a great choice. And they look cool. They do look cool. So our next loose category, and this is another sort of combined category because they're different but related, is road bikes, or what we call hybrid or commuter bikes. Let's start with road bikes. So road bikes are designed really for racing or, you know, for riding fast, for riding long distances, or, or both. 
Uh, it's the traditional 10 speed of your youth, uh, Jared, if you're our age or, or, or older. Uh, small Wait, seat. Who, who's age, Wayne? <laughs> well, my age. <laughs> It's a you know it's a small seat. Uh, it's dropped handlebars so that you can ride in uh, you know kind of an aerodynamic position. Uh, skinny tires, not very comfortable, but very efficient. Uh, in the electric form, these are most often mid-drive torque sensor type bikes. Um, also, very specialized use and pricey. Um, I'm not sure how accepted electric road bikes are in the road bike riding crowd. <laughs> they, and, and that's another topic we'll cover one day as a, is e-biking cheating. And if it's going to be cheating, it's going to be here. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, r- road bikers, I'm not sure how they feel about electric road bikes, but they are out there. Uh, some examples are the uh, Trek Domain, uh, the Specialized Turbo Creo, and the Giant Road E-Plus Pro. Again, these are... are uh, pricey bikes. They're five, six thousand dollar bikes. So again, it's one of those bikes that um, if you want it, you probably already know that you want it. <laughs> There's a couple guys on the YouTube channel, Global Cycling Network, and they've put some of these e road bikes to the task. Um, they, they've compared them to regular road bikes. They do some fun comparisons. If you want to see what these are about, check out that YouTube channel. I'll stick a link in the description here. Um, fun videos, but. It's amazing how fast an e-road bike can go, especially if you manage to de-restrict it, as they say. Um, check it out if that's where you're going, but so pricey. And um, if you're biking with friends and you're you're a real hardcore road biker, are the other hardcore road bikers you're with really going to want to be there with you with your e-bike? Eh, probably not. <laughs> so you, you could just get a regular e-bike and keep up with them and really make them feel bad. You might be better off. So the next category is hybrid or commuter bikes. And the term hybrid, and I mostly hear hybrid when you're talking about non-electric bikes and commuter when you're talking about electric bikes for whatever reason. But but it's really basically the same thing. When we say hybrid, uh, they're talking about a cross between a road bike and a mountain bike or a touring bike. So a hybrid or commuter bike is it's similar to a road bike in that it has tires that are on the skinnier side, um, a more aggressive riding position, but usually with flat handlebars instead of drop bars, so it's not quite as aero or aggressive. And this is a very common bike style in your traditional, you know, human-powered bikes, and it's also a popular uh, electrified format. Um, some of the typical examples, um, Specialized makes the Como and Trek makes the Verve. Those are both electrified versions of bikes that were previously just human-powered hybrid bikes. But there's a lot of electric-specific. Uh, the Rad City Commuter, um, the Pedego City Commuter. A lot of bike companies make electrified bikes that they call commuter bikes. And the the difference, really, I think, if you've ever ridden a hybrid bike versus a regular bike, is just that slightly more upright style, the the thinner handlebars, and slightly wider tires. They're like an inch wide tires instead of the the infinitesimal tires you'll get on a road bike. That <laughs> if you hit a patch of sand, you're in trouble. But really good options if you're looking for efficient city commuting. Not as good of an option if you're planning on doing any sort of trail riding or anything like that. 
yeah, very efficient, not quite as comfortable, and you're really limited to, you know, paved trails and roads for the most part. Right. So I'll cover the next category because it's my favorite category is cargo bikes. Uh, cargo bikes, they're, they're pretty specialized. They're designed as workhorse bikes to carry either a lot of cargo or maybe a passenger, and I tend to do both. Um, they're longer bikes. They usually have a larger weight capacity, I would say 350 and up. Um, usually a lot of storage options. Almost always storage options on the back for your more traditional ones or the Dutch-style cargo bike where it has a basket in front. <laughs> if you need that kind of capacity... It's a great choice. I'll tell you, though, I have a rad wagon. If, if you've been listening to the show, you know I talk all the time about my rad wagon. And I love it to death. It weighs a ton, and with everything else I've attached to it, it weighs a ton and a half. And carrying it up a few steps or loading it into a car or something like that, it or storing it uh, in my house in a corner, um, those are much more difficult than they would be with a regular size bike. So if you need something that has that kind of cargo capacity, great. It's a great bike to have. They ride very typically to normal bikes, at least the stretch version like I have. I can't say I've ridden one with the front basket before, but the but when they're just longer in the back, once you're riding, they're fine. Um, but they're much harder to transport, much harder to move around just around your house. Uh, narrow trails, they do get a little sketchy. Um, examples, the Red Wagon. Uh, the Pedago Stretch, the Blix Packa, I also looked at and uh, very strongly considered before I went with my Rad Wagon. Uh, there's also one by Unirow out there that I was also considering, but I didn't see the, the dealer support that I felt I wanted from the Rad Wagon. Yeah, to be fair, Jared, you and I ride together a lot. Uh, you ride your Rad Wagon. I've, I've ridden it, uh, but we ride together a lot. And yeah, you know, definitely there are issues with uh, getting it around just because of the size and the weight but uh, once we're once your bike is uh, where we need to be uh, it's really no issue you you ride along and we do all the same things and and your bike performs great and keeps up with everybody and so you know it, there's the the drawbacks to a cargo bike are obvious in the weight or mm -hmm. the size uh, so are the advantages but it's definitely uh, still an option for somebody just for a bike for, you know, cruising around. Absolutely. And the biggest advantage for me is being able to uh, have my daughter ride with me. My daughter, who's eight years old, uh, she goes on all the, the Let's Glow Ride and Glow Rides um, around Dunedin and St. Pete and Clearwater. And she becomes a star of the show and sits on the back and waves to people as we go through and have, have and people are honking and waving at us. So it's a blast being able to take her with me. And it really doesn't feel any more... Um, cumbersome than a regular bike once we're on the road. Yeah, and your bike always gets a lot of attention. <laughs> it does. It it definitely does. Yeah. So the next category is folding bikes. And Jared, not you and I both uh, like folding bikes. Uh, we both have non-electric folding bikes, so we have mm -hmm. some experience in this area. Um, folding bikes, you know, exactly what they sound like. They have a hinge and some way to fold them. And, you know, that varies a lot depending on the style of bike as to how, but they do fold. Uh, the handlebars usually uh, fold down or collapse in some way as well. And, and the bike folds in some way into a smaller form for storage and for transport. And that's really what folding bikes are traditionally 
designed for, what they're good for, is ease of transporting them. Uh, instead of transporting it on a bike rack, you have the option of folding it up and putting it in, certainly inside an SUV, but probably in the trunk of a lot of cars uh, or the back seat of a lot of cars. So it really does, um, it increases your options for both carrying the bike and storing it, storing it in your house or, or whatever. Uh, it makes that part a little bit easier. So that all sounds great, but but Dwayne and I both know uh, from firsthand experience that 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 isn't really the complete truth of folding bikes. Although they are easy to, easier, although they are easier to fold in half and store and move than obviously a traditional bike. Even with a regular non e bike folding bike, they aren't the easiest to move around because they're they fold into odd shapes and they're not that easy to pick up. And when you look at folding e bikes. They weigh like 60 pounds or so for most of them. There are a few that get lower than that, but they're heavy, and they're still awkward to pick up. So if you're the, a kind of person who's capable of doing that and you have the physical ability to do that, that's great. But a lot of people don't, um, and there have been days that although I have the physical ability, I really don't want to mess with them, and I've probably been a little hasty with my e-bike and probably scratch the paint on my car once or twice because – or sorry, not my e-bike, my folding bike because I just wanted to shove the thing in there. So be careful about that. Also, um, the size of the tires on electric folding bikes. What do you think, Dwayne? Do those get in the way? Does that change things? <laughs> well, one of the things, I guess, about a folding bike is it, everything is smaller. You know, the, the, the tires are smaller uh, the handlebars are smaller. Uh, it definitely changes the way the bike, not only the way the bike looks, but the way it handles, uh, you know, how much weight it can carry. So it, you're really sort of, um, I don't want to say handicapping, but you're, you're kind of limiting what your bike can do. A folding bike is great and has a lot of capability, but you are sacrificing some things in a folding bike. They're just not as strong uh, as a traditional frame bike, and they don't handle quite as well. It's something you really should try before you buy, maybe. Right. And, you know, with folding bikes with skinny tires, I, I actually like the way they handle, um, just because I like how nimble they are. But then you look at a lot of electric folding bikes, and a lot of them come with fat tires now. So now they don't fold as nearly as small. So you're left with this bulky folding thing that weighs more. It's still smaller than a regular bike to pack up, but there's just a lot of compromises that you may not think about until you've actually purchased your folding bike and try to start hauling it around. I guess what I would say is it's the, the folding is not a panacea for everything. If you have a specific reason that you need a folding bike, um, then then great. But just be aware, it, it's still heavy. It comes with other limitations, so it wouldn't necessarily be my first choice. I think you have to be sure that that's, there's, there's a reason why you need an electric folding bike, um, then, then take a look at that. Now, that being said, they are very popular, uh, and I see a number of them out there. Um, some of the examples that we see on the trails, uh, the Electric XP is a very popular folding bike. I uh, mm -hmm. see that a lot. Uh, Aventon makes the Cinch. Uh, which is a similar folder. Uh, Rad has a mini. Pedigo has the latch. And I'm sure there's a lot others. 
Yeah, one last interesting point about folding e-bikes is that for some reason, a lot of the less expensive bikes come with folding frames. And I'm not sure if that's because there's a supplier out there that's providing cheap folding frames and a lot of companies are just adapting them. But like the electric XP, it's uh, it's under $1,000, I think, still. And a lot of the bikes you might find on Amazon um, are usually folding frames. And again, I'm not sure the reason for that. So just a couple more. Um, recumbent bikes. Now, this is also a very specialized type of bike. You know, recumbent uh, are these bikes you see where the riding position is more of a, a laid-back, sort of on-your-back, reclined kind of position. Obviously, these can be great for people that have back issues or shoulder issues or, or can't ride uh, in a, a you know traditional position comfortably. But um, these are very different from uh, traditional bikes. They have a different look. They have a different feel. Um, I have ridden some but never been a big fan. But, Jared, I know that you, you have uh, some warm and fuzzy thoughts about recumbent bikes. I'm a little bit of a recumbent fanboy. So I, I built a recumbent trike a few years ago and gave it to a family member. And I've always wanted to build one for myself and never got around to it. Um, they are a completely different feel, but it was a whole lot of fun to ride that bike and ride other ones that I've ridden. So there are some great things about recumbent bikes. Uh, you could be faster uh, on a recumbent bike than you can on an upright because of your aerodynamic position, depending on what you buy. You can get the recumbent trike feeling, and I'll tell you, nothing steers like a recumbent trike, a Delta recumbent, or sorry, a Tadpole recumbent trike with the two wheels in front. It's a totally different feeling. It almost feels like a go-kart on, uh, with, you, <laughs> with you sitting back. But there are a lot of negatives about recumbent bikes, too. Uh, a recumbent bike, at least for me, I would never want to use one for commuting or anywhere where I was riding through a lot of traffic with either pedestrian traffic or trail traffic, whatever. Because you have to either you have to get your foot down on a two wheel or on a three wheel, you are very wide and taking up a lot of space and not able to go a lot of places. For those same reasons, really hard to transport a three wheel trike. For a recumbent two wheel bike, you have a few more options because they don't have quite the size usually, but they're still typically longer, and most racks aren't built with those in mind primarily. So you're going to have to try things out. Yeah. I think recumbents, you know, they're for specialized uses. Uh, they, they are great. Um, if you were riding long distances on, you know, paved surfaces, bike trails, things that are very straight and don't require a whole lot of, uh, you know, three point turns and turning around and that sort of thing. Uh, some of the examples I saw just in doing a search, uh, the sun seeker, uh, three-wheel recumbents, uh, there are ICE electric assist recumbents. Uh, most of the electric recumbents seem to be three-wheel models, at least from what I've seen. Now, since we've already said the word trike, which of course means tricycle is three wheels, in addition to recumbent trikes, there are the more traditional upright electric trikes uh, that we see. These can be also great for people with physical issues or disabilities you know these are bikes that are super stable like you don't even have to put your foot on the ground when the bike stops uh there's no chance of it uh falling over you know losing your balance that sort of thing one of the big disadvantages of these bikes is they're very heavy uh, just because of their construction but again it's something that 
makes an e-bike a perfect application for an adult uh, tricycle because you can overcome those issues. I mean, it's tough when you put somebody who already maybe has some physical limitations on a heavy trike and expect them to pedal around. But if it's electric, you know, that's great. And so it still has some of the issues that we already talked about. A, a trike has some maneuverability issues. They don't turn real sharply. Um, they can be hard to to turn around in small areas. They can be hard to navigate with pedestrians on a sidewalk because, uh, you know, the rear wheels are wide enough that uh, you almost take up the whole sidewalk maybe. So there are some um, issues with the width that make them better probably for bike trails and for sidewalks, but it is it can be a great option for people who need that sort of stability in a bike. Some of the examples of the more traditional uh, electric trike, Pedego makes something they call the adult trike. Admotor makes the M340 fat tire trike. A, a Google search will turn up uh, a fair number of these uh, sort of off-brands, too. Um, there's, there's a number of them out there. So the last category uh, I wanted to talk about is tandem bikes. And it surprised me even when I started getting into the electric bike scene that there are a number of companies that make electric tandem bikes. Uh, this is something that's also really specialized. And, and you know, as romantic as a bicycle built for two sounds, <laughs> mm -hmm. as it's been portrayed <laughs> in song and story, um, Jared, I don't know if you've ridden one. I have. Um, they're actually very difficult to balance and to ride. It's it's you really have to have two riders who are kind of in sync and are experienced riders to effectively ride a tandem bike. It, it amazed me how difficult it was. I haven't ridden an e tandem bike. I've ridden a regular tandem bike, and also I've put two um, two people that are larger than the recommended size on the back of my rad wagon before. Uh, just, just, just because I mentioned that because of the weight, um, when somebody shifts weight on the back of a bike in a way you don't expect, it can throw you off. And that's not a problem with my eight year old. It becomes a bigger problem when it's a full size person. I can imagine that being a bigger problem on a tandem bike. And with a tandem e-bike, you've got three different power sources. Basically you have to all have in sync. You've got the person in front, the person in back, and now you're adding a motor to the middle of it. It just doesn't seem like it's going to be all that easy. No, it really doesn't. I mean, again, these these bikes are are long, they're heavy, they're going to be hard to maneuver. Um, it's not going to be something that's going to be ideal for group rides and that sort of thing. It's honestly probably not for most people. Uh, so so don't buy into the romantic hype <laughs> of the tandem bike. It's it's definitely not a starter bike. It's something that's for people who really know what they're doing and know why they want a tandem bike. But they are out there. Uh, Pedego makes a tandem. Uh, McCargy makes the Aloha tandem. Uh, there's a number of them. I think that's the key. It's, it's got to be somebody who's already ridden a tandem, regular tandem bike, and knows that's what they want and knows what they're getting into. Otherwise, there's probably a reason you don't see that many tandem bikes around and a reason you see even fewer tandem e-bikes that are actually on the road. So that sort of wraps up uh, our thoughts on various types of e-bikes, and hopefully that will be helpful to everybody to kind of get their their thoughts wrapped around what what sort of bike they might want to ride or what their next bike they might want to ride would be. And let us know in the comments what kind of bike you ride or what kind of bike style you're interested in. We'd love to hear from you. 
You can let us know in the comments section of your podcast player, if that's an option, or on Facebook or Twitter, or email us at ebikeradio at gmail.com. Our contact information and links to things we mentioned in the show, we always put in the show notes. You can see those on your podcast player, although I've noticed recently that your podcast player might mess up some of the website links for you. So just go to our website if you find those links aren't working for you. And that's www.ebikeradio.com. As always, thanks for listening and stay tuned to Electric Bike Radio. Mm-hmm.